In today's show, we look back at Tuesday in the NBA. There were seven games on. We had some uh, some interesting lineups, some weird shenanigans, some injury news. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble, on TikTok at redrock underscore beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're going to talk about all of these games from Tuesday, talk about some very strange starting lineups as we're officially 50% through the NBA regular season. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Otto Porter's done for the season, having surgery on that toe. What a disaster of a year for Porter, um, who just has really had his career ruined by injuries. Missed the start of his career, had a few really strong seasons in the middle, and it's just, yes, he won a title. That's fantastic for him. Obviously, that's great, but still... Can't stay healthy. I guess that clears up a little bit in that um, Raptors rotation of everyone is a forward or center coming off the bench, but isn't played all season, so it doesn't really change anything at this point. The one that I know that I'm going to get questions about, so let's talk about it. Jonathan Isaac is going to play a game in the G League tomorrow. Cool. Good for him. Two and a half years later, he's returning from a torn ACL, um, and he's going to play in the G League, and he's going to be there for a week or so, so maybe end of next week, he's available for the NBA, maybe. I, I don't think he's a 12-team league player. Simple reason is that I think when he plays, he's going to be limited in minutes. He's going to sit back-to-backs. He's going to be rusty as anything. And he's not going to be a starter. And even at his peak, he was a 28-minute-a-night player. So what does he play? 20 minutes? 22 minutes? Like, Where do the minutes come from? Paolo? No. Franz? No. Carter? No. Maybe some backup center minutes where Mo Wagner's getting the minutes. Like, there's no clear path for 25 minutes for him. I think it's going to be a frustrating exercise. I can see him having an opportunity to be a stream guy at some point. I could see that. But to me, he's not a must-roster sort of guy. There's no reliability with what he's able to do in terms of production, playing time, reliability, um, staying healthy. None of that stuff is guaranteed at all. He hasn't played in in two and a half years. So I get the appeal, and I get the appeal of looking back to the numbers of 1920. Oh, he was top 30, and he averaged one point, whatever it was, 1.6 steals and 2.3 blocks in 28 minutes, and that was great. It was great. There's no no questioning that, but we're, we're moved on from there a lot. Like, it's a long way past that. And not to say that he couldn't play or do that if he played 28 minutes a night. I really don't see it happening within the next... Eight weeks, nine weeks, whatever it is until fantasy playoffs. What are we talking about for fantasy playoffs? Probably 10 weeks to go until the end of the fantasy season. I don't really see him having that much of an impact. And when he does return next week, he won't be IL eligible. So you'll be sitting with a guy who who I don't think is going to be providing top 150 value. Maybe a luxury stash. I, I get that. I get the appeal. 
And I could say, look, Shumra KK is not much. Mo Bamba's terrible. Mo Wagner's not great. But does he play over Bowl? We'll talk about Bowl later on. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not that keen on it. Looks like Middleton could return soon. Maybe Thursday. Thank God. I don't know what the actual problem is because no one will tell us. And no one's told us a lot of things about a lot of injuries this season. But it looks like he could be returning. So hopefully, hopefully. Um, Jar Morant's off the injury report. So he's going to be back and ready to go tomorrow. Um, Clinker Palace out again. And then the uh, the Hawks signed Derek Favors to a 10-day deal. Now, I guess you'll put two and two together and go, ooh, that can't be good for Capella. Obviously, Favors is not a Capella replacement, but their only other center was Frank Kaminsky, apart from McConwoo. So I don't think you know that they were particularly comfortable relying upon Kaminsky. This is another one of these situations where we hear nothing. Just Clinker Palette is out. Okay. I'm just he's not going to play this week. I'm just going to assume. And then if he doesn't play this week, I'll just assume he doesn't play next week until we get a positive update. So we keep rolling with a Kongwu. We're we're not adding favors. But this is not a great situation for Capella. Javante Green is having knee surgery. It looks like that's going to be a month. So maybe a month to the All-Star break. Also a month or you know, through to the All-Star break, which is five to six weeks. Um, that What that does is help Patrick Williams' minutes boost up. helps Derek Jones and Drummond a little bit as well, but that's just deeper league stuff. But if DeRozan is out, then that really does boost Patrick Williams. So he's worth at least a grab at this point to see where that goes with the Bulls. And then we got an update on Kelly Olenek. They said, yeah, this what, what they told us is what it isn't. It's not a day-to-day injury. Okay, what is it then? A grade one sprain, two sprain, three sprain, a one-week injury, a four-week injury. I've got no idea. If you are battling and you hold him and you can't stash him because you're in a daily changes league, drop him. Right? He's not going to play this week. He was already in a slump. It might not be. It might be two weeks. It might be four weeks. It might be two and a half years. I have no idea because they are all they told us is it's not day to day, which is annoying as so many injury updates are. And I'm getting, I'm really, I'm actually, if you don't want to hear someone complain, maybe you can turn the show off because I'm pretty pissed at a lot of stuff. Capella injury report, ridiculous. Gordon Haywood injury reporting, insane. What are you doing? Why do you keep leaving them doubtful? Why is everyone labeled doubtful every moment? John Isaac's injury, ridiculous. The Phoenix Suns starting lineup decisions today. Stupid and I hope they get fined a million dollars. It's just not that hard to get this stuff right. And they want to encourage more people to be invested in the regular season and invested in the NBA. And the best way to do that is through two things, gambling and fantasy sports. And you know the way you piss off people who play fantasy sports and gambling is incorrect, inaccurate, um, misleading injury reports and lineup shenanigans. That's how you piss them off. So if you're trying to increase the, the value of the NBA regular season or the interest in the NBA regular season, NBA, if you're watching... Fix the injury reporting and fix the lineup nonsense. In the end, like it doesn't matter to me necessarily you know, to my fantasy lineup who they put in as the starting center. But overall, when this stuff happens, the perception is that everything's a disaster and no one can play anything or gamble or do anything with the NBA. Fix it. It's an easy fix. I'll even do it for you. I'll fix it. I'll make the rules. I won't, but you know, I will if you pay me. It's an easy fix. And you blokes are annoying me. And that is the news. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. Price Picks is daily fantasy, daily fantasy made easy. It's not lineups, it's not salary caps, it's player projections. So you might have gone in and said, oh, Jock Landau, 10 and a half points. I think you'll score more than that because the Suns have announced him as their starting center. So you could have gone in and said more. All right, we'll see what ends up happening with that one. You could have gone in to say, Jalen McDaniels, I'll go four and a half rebounds. Should we take more or less on that? I don't know. 
but we can put whatever we want in. And you can do between two to six of those individual player projections, put them into an entry, and you can win up to 25 times your entry feedback. It is simple. It is fast. It can be done in under 60 seconds, and you can do it in over 30 US states and in Canada as well. Not just the NBA. You've got the NFL. You've got college basketball, both men's and women's. You've got cricket. You've got European basketball. You've got NASCAR. You've got boxing. You've got MMA. You've got PGA golf, and you've got disc golf as well. So download the PricePix app or go to pricepix.com and sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PricePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PricePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. Let's look at the top ads and the top drops in fantasy over the last 24 hours. Number one is Tony Warren Jr., response to the KD injury. I don't mind it. I'm not convinced. I'm not absolutely set on that. Can he play 30 plus minutes? I'm not sure. We haven't seen it yet. There's an opportunity. If they start him or if they start Seth Curry, we'll see. But I don't mind that one. Dwayne Washington Jr. up 20%. Really good stream with all the absences in Phoenix. They've got a back-to-back tomorrow as well. So some extra value there. Josh Richardson, up 12%. They've upgraded Keldon Johnson to questionable. I think that does impact Josh if he plays, if Keldon plays. But for now, Richardson's taken advantage of both Vassell and Richardson being out. So there's value there in him. The Oklahoma City mudflap, Kenrich Williams up 11%. Well, they didn't start him today. Well, not in the first half. They started him in the second half. And he's producing top 100 value over the last week. So there is streamable value there for sure. Anthony Lamb up 11%. No. I'm saying this before the Warriors game is finished. I don't actually know what his stats were today, but there was no reason for this. This doesn't make any sense in a 12-team format. That is absolutely 100% chasing what happened last game because the Warriors got Curry back, Wiggins back to play more than 19 minutes, and Clay Thompson back. So Anthony Lamb is not doing what he did last game. Anthony Lamb has also had 40 games this season to try to do what he did last game and wasn't able to do it. So this makes no sense. Kyle Anderson up 8%. Absolutely. Totally agree with that move. Max Struess, great stream with everyone out in Miami. Worked out all right. And Tyus Jones up 8%. A little bit of chasing there, especially with Morant back. But I, d- I doubt it's 8% of people luxury stashing him. Maybe they are. He's going to put up probably a stinker tomorrow. A 17-minute stinker would be my guess. And then we'll see him on the most drop list down 7% or something like that. But it makes sense to stash him as a luxury stash. But if you're adding him for any other purpose, you've missed the two good games. They're done. And you're adding him for a bunch of nothing. The most drop players. Rui Hachimura down 16%. Yeah. He's not a category league, 12-team league player. Pretty straightforward. Bones Highland, the five-minute man, down 14%. It's not really happening for him. It's going to require two injuries, I feel, for him to be a 12-team league must-roster guy. He can score, but that's about it. Mo Wagner, he's down at 12%. Yeah, absolutely no reason to be holding the Magic's backup center. Trey Murphy down 11%. Finally, I'm I'm, I'm on board with that. Things are not going particularly well for Murphy, so that's okay. Landry Shamet down 9%. Didn't play well yesterday, and then he's out today. I still think that with Booker out four or five weeks, maybe um, Shamet is still worth holding if you're willing to deal with poor field goal percentage. But again, he's in that Malik Beasley, Tim Hardaway sort of mold of a player who can be up and down and he's really points and threes. And if you added in for anything else apart from that, then I don't know what you're thinking. Mo Bumba down 9%. Finally, I talked yesterday, or yesterday was it? I think it was, of why on earth are so many people rostering him while we're 9% fewer people rostering him. This one is a clear mistake, dropping Quentin Grimes. No, absolutely huge mistake. This briefcase and this haircut. No reason for it. I know RJ Barrett's coming back. It does not matter. Absolutely stupid decision. 
Jeremy Sohan being dropped. I, I get it. It hasn't happened. Zohan now. Kelden's out. Vassell's out. No usage increase. No minutes increase. No production increase. And I've talked about that a lot as well. That someone being out just doesn't mean that another person gets everything to go their way. It's like someone asked me, hey, does Nick Claxton see a big usage bump with KD out? And my response automatically is, do you think that we're going to just start seeing ISO plays run for Nick Claxton? Do we think that's going to happen? Or is he just going to be the same alley-oop threat put-back guy? I, I, you know, whoever steps in for Kevin Durant's minutes, that'll be someone who takes shots and can work their own shot, Warren or Curry. And a similar thing with Sohan. He wasn't really ready to take on a lead usage sort of role. That's why Josh Richardson or even a Romeo Langford, and more particularly Trey Jones, have taken on that extra usage. And Sohan hasn't really been able to step it up. He's fine if you want to hold in a 12-team league, but he's obviously not necessarily a must-roster player in that sort of situation. That'll bring us, I think, yeah, that'll bring us onto the games. First one, <laughs> the first one was an ass-kicking. The Sixers beat a Pistons team that honestly was dreadful. And yes, I know I criticized the Pistons a lot, rightfully so, I believe, because how I, how I don't believe their coach is good or their general manager is good. And... Their roster's poorly constructed. But to be fair to them, they were missing, obviously, Cade, but then no Boyan Bogdanovich, no Isaiah Stewart, no Jalen Duran. And if you're a good team, losing guys like Stewart or even Duran at this point wouldn't matter. But you're a bad team. And these players, it does make a difference because their starting lineup was Killian Hayes, Jaden Ivey, Sadiq Bay, Kevin Knox, and Nerlens Noel. Jaden Ivey was much better. He was on the buy low, sell high, sell high show earlier. I didn't tell you the score. 147, 116. And honestly, it feels like it was more. Ivey had 17 points, three threes. Shot well from the field, shot well from the line. That's the improvement we were looking for. He only played 24 minutes because it was a blowout. But good to see some improvement in numbers. I still don't think he's a 12-team guy outside of points leagues. Noel played 21 minutes. I don't think his body can handle big minutes. He had five points. But he did have one steal and three blocks. And if Stuart, no, uh, Stuart Duran and of course Bagley, remain out, then there's defensive stat streaming for tomorrow available there. They started Kevin Knox. He was like atrocious as usual. 13 points, two rebounds, one assist. Not, not an NBA player, I'm sorry. And while we talked about Killian Hayes on the buy low, sell high show, and I said he's a sell high, and I posted this on Instagram, and the amount of comments, only every comment replying to it was like, nah, bro, why would he possibly be a sell high? He's rolling. He's rolling. Cade's gone. He's young. He's getting better. Like, okay. This is why, because he was shooting 58% from two, averaging 2.3 steals, um, hitting 100% of his free throws, and at like yeah, 48% overall from the field. It wasn't going to stick. And again, it's really important that to, for you to know that a lot of people don't understand what sell high means, like at all, have no idea whatsoever. Oh yeah, but he, he's wrong. I don't have to get rid of him. No, you don't. You don't have to get rid of him, but you have to find someone like the person who you are arguing with yourself about it that believes that he can keep this level going because he can't. And I like Killian Hayes, but he couldn't. Five points, 18% shooting, one rebound. He did have six assists and two steals, and that is going to be relatively constant. And this again, just goes to show you that those buy lows sell high. It's hard to pull off and you might not be able to do it, but some people will just see what happened. Well, look what's happened the last four games. He's rolling, he's killing it, dominating. He's awesome, he's getting better. Everything in front of him, he's going to have all the usage he wants, okay. But it doesn't mean that that stuff's possible to continue. They just look at rankings or they look at vibes or they look at general production without looking into the intricacies of how that stuff's been achieved. And that's where you can get the edge is understanding how that stuff's been achieved and if there's any way of that stuff being able to stick. And in Hayes' case, there wasn't. 
and we saw it here. So sadly, the buy low window is closed. Hamadou Diallo, 14-8 with two steals. His line would have looked much better if he didn't go two or four from the line, but he's a terrible free he's a terrible shooter. He's a terrible free throw shooter. With the potential of Bogdanovich and Duran and Stewart missing again tomorrow, there could be some stream for MC Hamadou um, tomorrow. Have a time. We also had 24 Rodney Magruder minutes. He had 17 points in five threes. I mean, all right, no worries. And 12 Jared Roden minutes. You know who Jared Roden is? Did anyone know that he played for this team? I doubt it. Sadiq Bay. Honestly, for this bloke who's considered a 3 and D prospect, you would hope that he could shoot and defend, and he can't do either of those things. 17 points on 29% shooting. He did get to the line nine times and went nine of nine, which is good, but didn't hit a single three. Remains bad, and I don't even care if Bogdanovich has traded. I don't think he's going to be a 12-team league player. On the sixes, it was great to see Joel Embiid back. Just ease his way in with a training run. 24 minutes, 36 and 11 with two blocks. Jim Harden had a casual 16, 12, and 15 in 26 minutes with two steals. And they did move DeAnthony Melton to the bench. The wave pool played 18 minutes. He wasn't bad. 9, 5, and 2 with two steals. That's not great, but it's not bad. And I am definitely just holding. I'd like to see a couple more games. Now, I know he's coming off the bench, but I'd like to see a couple more games to see what the production and the minutes look like when they don't win by 50. I know they didn't win by 50, but it was close enough. You can go ahead and drop Montrezl Harrell. I've got a lot of annoying things. I was watching the Sixers broadcast and they were talking so much without referencing Paul Reed's name. You, go, you see on the internet a lot, people talking about, you know, I won't do the accent the whole time. Yeah, you can't play Montrez. People are talking about how they don't want Montrez Harrell to play and they want another center on the roster to play. But you know what? You can't do that because Harrell's earned it. He's been in the league. He deserves the opportunity. And it's not about what someone else can do. It's about what you know Harrell can do. Yeah, I know what he can do. He can bleed points and be an empty scorer against bench units. But they were just like unbelievably going in for Harrell and in the same time denigrating someone on the same team, Paul Reed. Now, Reed had six and three with three blocks in 10 minutes, while Harrell had eight points in zero rebounds in his 14 minutes and somehow was a negative in a 40-point win. So there you go. I know it's on a 40-point win. It's a 30-point win. I'm just going to keep exaggerating it. Anyway, Harrell sucks, but if Embiid is out, he's going to be the guy to go for because he's earned it and he's put in the minutes and the yards and the time to be a dickhead and to gain these opportunities to be bad and make your team worse. It's always what it's important. Sorry, I'm in a real pissy mood. Um, Shake Milton, 11 points in his 24 minutes, and the Thick Hogsman had 14 and 6 in 27. But we can throw a lot of this out because, again, it was just a gigantic ass-kicking. The main takeaways here are Melton to the bench, hold Melton, drop Harrell. There we go. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there from pro football to college basketball to the NBA. They've got it all at betonline.net. NFL playoffs. Can Brady do it at home against the Cowboys? Two and a half point underdogs? I hope not, but we'll find out. All the odds for all of week one's wildcard action are up over at BetOnline, including my Dolphins being nine point underdogs against the Buffalo Bills. It's always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. Bet online is where the game starts. Don't forget to gamble responsibly. Let's go to the next one. Another game with just a, I don't know, what's the right word? A ridiculous starting lineup. Miami wins it though with a ridiculous starting lineup. 112-111. The Thunder decided to start Eugene Omari at center. I am a, a big, big um, proponent of Thunder coach Mark Dagnalt. I think he's a very good coach. This center rotation stuff is is bullshit to me. Like, I don't need to see Omarui. I, I don't need to. To me, there are clear options here. It's Muscala for his spacing. It's Kenrich Williams for being very good. That's it. 
I don't need to see Pig Williams. I don't need to see Omaroy as a starter. They're nowhere near up to it. They're, they're not. There's no point. Um, and it's frustrating, the continual rotation of these guys. But as I said yesterday or the day before, someone like Kenrich Williams, the Oklahoma City mudflap, he's in that stage where he has established a role whether he starts or not. It's 22 to 24 minutes and it's established. He played 24 minutes here, 13 and four with a three and a steal. Top 100 over the last week is a real strong 14-team stream. Joshy Giddy, 18, 15, and 10, played pretty well while Shea had 26, 4, and 4. And the Bronco, Jalen Williams. Broncos country, let's ride. Another strong game. 12 points, 5 assists, 2 steals, a block, 32 minutes. I worry a bit with Williams as I detailed on the Sell High show earlier today is that I'm not sure where the absolute peak upside comes from. Is he ever going to be a 25 usage guy? I don't really see how that happens this season. Will he ever be a big rebound, big assist player? I don't see it happen regularly enough. Will he be a 36% three-point shooter? Well, it's been nowhere near that this season. Or is he going to take enough of them? He's just always doing a little thing, a bit like Quentin Grimes, to be honest, to keep him in relevance, and he needs to be rostered. But I'm not sure there's this big, big pop-off ability for him this season. Um, not much else going on there. Isaiah Joe hit two threes. Lindy Waters hit two threes. These guys are really good shooters, and there are always going to be options in deeper leagues to stream in for threes. The problem is you just don't know if or when they're going to play. On the Miami side of things, just honestly, look at the guys out. No Bam, no Hero, no Lowry, no Martin. That's four, four starters out of five out to go with Duncan Robinson, Yet Seven, and Jovic. So they started Gabe Vincent, Max Struess, Jim Butler, Hayward Highsmith, and Orlando Robinson. Orlando Robinson played 24 minutes. He had foul trouble. Four and six with a steal on a block. It's not great, but the stream value was still there if Bam is out. They also got uh, Dwayne Dedman ejected after five minutes. He threw like a training device onto the court. But there was something before that. He was fighting with the Heat staff and players. There was a big argument. And he was sort of on his way to the locker room before the ejections. So I don't know if the Heat, I don't know if he said, screw this shit, I'm out of here. Or the Heat said, screw you, buddy, you're out of here. And then on the way off, he threw it onto the court so the officials ejected him anyway. There's something clearly not right with Deadman in this organization. And I don't think that if Bam misses, he's going to get another opportunity to start. It's going to be Robinson, is my guess. Butler had a crazy line 35 and 7. Four assists, four steals, three blocks, and a ridiculous 23 of 23 from the free throw line. That is just insane. And that just gives you such a giant boost in that category that it's going to make it hard for you to lose this week. Max Strews, 42 minutes, 22 and seven with four threes. He's a streamer only, but Oladipo's a little bit more than that, I think. 19 points, four assists, two steals, 44%, 34 minutes. The minutes are back up. They're obviously not going to start him unless, I was going to say unless catastrophe happens. I don't know what's more catastrophe than this. He's going to stay in the bench, play 30 minutes, 31 minutes, be useful enough and be a back-end 12-team league player, it feels like. Vincent was okay apart from the shooting, 13-4-4, and and Highsmith started for Martin, but as every other game, doesn't play starters minutes. 24 minutes, 5 points. They basically used Jamal Kane over him. Remember Kane was, I thought was really good in the preseason, and we just haven't seen him at all. 33 minutes, 12-5-3. and They're not bad numbers. He's someone to at least watch if Martin remains out, because I thought he was better than Highsmith in this one. And that could be, I don't know, marginally, marginally interesting, I guess. Let's do the next game. The Raptors beat the Hornets, 132-120. Hornets worked their way to another loss on the back of 33 Mason Plumley minutes, 21-7 and for the Cockroach. He was 90% from the field, which is great. 60 from the line, which you don't really care about if you roster him. We talked about him on the buy low, sell high, saying that some of what he was doing was a little bit um, unsustainably high. And I think it was, but 
you know, he still kept big numbers here. Now, the blocks, which had been high, there was none to be seen here. And I still don't understand the point of increasing Mason Plumley's minutes. 33, what are we doing? Clifford, is it to try and win? Because it didn't work. Again, not that Plumley's bad. He's not bad. He's fine. He's serviceable. It doesn't make any sense. Um, let's talk about Rogier. He's back, maybe. 35 minutes, 33 points, five threes, five rebounds, five assists, 74% shooting with one steal. Now, of course, that shooting isn't real. Nine of 10 from two, 56% from three, but it's a whole lot better than shooting 32% from the field. He's all over the shop this season. This has not brought him inside the top 100. We're not far off, but he's 20th over or 15th over the last week, actually, and starting to get back in business. We hope that we can get some more consistency with his shooting, but I'm not ready to trust it yet. Lamelo Ball, 38 minutes, 24-4-10. He was rough from the field, 41%, while Paul Washington had 13 with not much else apart from the two blocks, but still good threes, good shooting numbers. Jalen McDaniels wasn't at his best, but 11-7, and seven, a triple one, it's good. 43 from the field, 67 from the line. Now, of course, because this dickhead organization won't tell us anything about Gordon Hayward's injury, oh, he's doubtful. Okay, cool. Stop with this doubtful nonsense. Like what happened when he got injured, I told you, it's a week minimum. Now, we are, now we're at a week minimum, and now I don't know what to do. Is he still doubtful for the next game? Is he going to return? Are these guys ever going to tell us anything about it? I don't know. We keep rolling with McDaniels until we hear more, until Haywood returns, but it remains frustrating. I don't think that we need to necessarily hold Haywood because before the injury, he wasn't good anyway. Now we we don't actually know when he's out or how long he's out for or when he's coming back or anything like that. As for Mark Williams, we thought something might be happening. Oh, hi, Mark. It was not. And by something happening, I thought, get 20 minutes a night. Get 20 minutes a night. No, 15 minutes, four and four. Block one block. Luxury stash. If Plumlee gets dealt, big if still. If Plumlee gets hurt, even bigger if, Williams will be great. But you can't afford to hold him unless you've got stash capability because he's everything's going down for him. Good production from Dennis Smith. Six assists and three steals, but shot 14%. We know there are significant limitations in what he does. Steals are great, can get assists, but I don't think he's got a large enough role or reliable enough shooting numbers to be considered a must-roster player. For some teams, absolutely he can have use, but otherwise, no. On to the Raptors. Would you look at this? No one played more than 36 minutes. Siakam, 35-50, he played. 28-8-7. Ananobi played only 31 minutes. Well, what about Scarf? Stop, OG. Uh, you better stop, OG. 22 points with six threes. Gary Trent, only 31 minutes. Nice, Gary! 24 points, four threes, two steals, and a block. Eight of eight from the line. He's on a massive heater, Trent. Massive. Huge sell high if you can, because we know that there are sometimes consistency issues, but I'm actually feeling a bit more confident in his role at the moment. Boucher even got into it. 15 minutes, 12 and 7. That's old Boucher. That's three years ago, Boucher, putting up big numbers in low minutes. I don't care for it. Is that going to mean people are going to add him? Surely not. I know he's still rostered in 12-team leagues. Don't bother with it. Van Vliet, 33 minutes, 11, 7, and 8. Poor field goals, but the 7 and 8 are really good. I wouldn't say Scotty Barnes' line is that good. 40% from the field, 3 or 4 from the line, 7 points, 9% usage. He did have 5 rebounds and 7 assists, but he's sort of hovering around that 80 to 100 zone all season. And just another example of that. And this is the problem. I think we forget it. But last season, when the Raptors had a fully intact starting lineup, Barnes would go missing. He would never get the ball. His usage would be low. He'd kill you with bad percentages anyway. 
And then, but last season, there was always someone out. Ananobi out for a bit of time. Siakam was out for a bit of time. Um, Van Vliet would be out at times. And then whenever someone or two people would be out, Barnes would step up. And we don't really remember that as much this season, but I think the last few games, we've started to see that come back. With everyone healthy, Barnes just doesn't really know where to fit. He doesn't get enough usage. He doesn't shoot well enough. And that's keeping his production well down. Achua had 13 points in 14 minutes. Always good when your center who can't really shoot has a 31% usage. 13 points in those 14 minutes. He's still obviously well outside of the 12, 14, 16 team rotation situation. Um, then we had Coloco, Hernan Gomez, and Flynn coming off the bench. But a good win overall uh, for the Toronto Raptors. All right, next game, the Cavs and Donovan Mitchell go back to Utah and lose. 116-114. Mitchell put up a big, big performance. 36 minutes, 46 points. Seven triples, five rebounds, six assists, and three steals. He took a whopping 27 shots, 40% usage, and was minus four. He was 11 of 11 from the line. Big, big performance from him. Garland was pretty good. 21, five, and six. No defensive stats, but solid enough. Still think there's a little bit of a buy low there on him. They also had a weird situation where after seven minutes, Jarrett Allen had to leave the court, was questionable to return with an illness, and never returned. We heard nothing about this before the game. No mention on the injury report of him being sick. Did it just creep up? Like, annoying. Tell us about it. It's so frustrating. Allen didn't do anything in his time on the court, obviously. Evan Mobley still sucking at free throws, two or four, but he got four blocks. He had 12 and seven, and he had 37 minutes, which is great, and shot 63 from the field. Still, the usage is very, very low, and he continues to be frustrating with the overall lack of improvement, I guess, from last season. As for Karis Levert, Drakaris played 37 minutes. Drakaris. He got extra minutes because Allen was out, and he did what Karis Levert does. 12 and 5, 46 from the field, 1 of 3 from the line, some horrendous defense towards the end of the game, and he's not a 12-team league category player. Isaac Okoro started, and then weirdly, at halftime, he was sort of late out of the locker room, so Lamar Stevens started the second half over him, and Stevens ended up with 25 minutes. Some of that is that weird halftime snafu. Some of it is the Allen absence, but 25 minutes for Stevens, 11 points, three steals and two blocks. Now he was basically on the verge of being out of the rotation, Lamar, and I don't know where he goes when Dean Wade returns, but this was a good game that ultimately I think for fantasy doesn't mean anything. While the Discman, City Asman, who was putting up good games, had zero points in 11 minutes. So I'd say his run is probably over. For the Jazz, what about your mate, the man on the street, Jordan Clarkson? J-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N. A ludicrous finish to this game. He ended with 32 points, 5-3, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists. He's a top 50 player over the last week. He's a top 100 player on the season. He's been really good. Someone that, you know, when we started doing draft processing stuff or preseason stuff in like August, I didn't really expect that he would be a starter. And the ultimate, the, the idea, the prevailing wisdom was he was going to get traded before the season started and he would have no value. And then we saw preseason that he was going to start. And then I kept hearing from jazz people, no, no, they want him to stay. He wants to be here. They'd like to extend him, more likelihood of extending than trading. And then I started to grab him in drafts around pick 100, 110, 120, 130 in some spots. Worked out okay. Larry Markkinen, 39 minutes, 25 and 16. Didn't shoot well, but you love the 12 of 14 from the line. And they did start Malik Beasley with Kelly Linicker. We thought it might be um, Kessler and Vanderbilt, but it wasn't. It was Beasley. He started at the three, 13, five, and four. 34 minutes for Beasley is enough to at least take a chance in a 12-team league. But I reckon I buried the lead a little bit there because Kessler did start. It was just that they benched Vanderbilt. 
So they didn't start Vanderbilt and Kessler together, which I don't think they believe works necessarily. They did use that combination a little bit with Olenek out first time, but then they also tried it with Beasley, and I think they like that. And in a game where Kessler had foul trouble, he played 30 minutes. It wasn't the best game, 6-11 and 11 with a block, but 30 minutes. He's a must-add player. Vanderbilt played 17 off the bench. Now, I don't know if that's going to be the regular minutes distribution because he seemed to be grabbing at his elbow a little bit, looked to be in a little bit of pain. But if he plays 17 minutes in every night, then he's not a 12-team league guy. I'll hold for now, but we'll see. Is this the changing of the guard? Is this just an Olympic absence thing? It's definitely something to watch because I didn't expect that we'd see a switch of that. And we did see that. We saw it when Markinen was out that they put Kessler into the starting lineup over Vanderbilt. But I didn't think that they'd do it with Olympic out. Very intriguing thing to watch. Mike Conley wasn't at his best. 13 points, 4 assists, 4 of 4 from the line. I still believe that he is a hold. And Nikhil Alexander-Walker, two good games in a row. Could have done it last week when they had four quality games, mate. 13 and 4, 22 minutes, 3 assists. I wonder if he's going to maintain a spot in the rotation. There's still Taylor Horton Tucker and Colin Sexton out. But I think he's better than Horton Tucker. Sexton will probably get those minutes, though, overall. But Oshaik Baji. Remember those two games on the weekend? He had two points in 18 minutes, went 25% shooting, didn't hit a three, and obviously has no business being rostered in 10, 12, 14, 16 team leagues, maybe even 18 team leagues. It was a nice little flash that was like completely unsustainable. He's offers nothing else at the moment and is shooting poorly again. So that little boost, which came on a random two-game sample, is done. It's over. Next one. Yeah, they do it. The Magic. They beat the Blazers on the road on a back-to-back 109-106 because there's a player who's really good on this team. He played 31 minutes, and his name is Wendell Carter Jr. 20 and 10, three threes, one block, 64% shooting. He doesn't have gigantic fantasy upside because he doesn't really ever profile as a big, big minute guy or a big usage player. Maybe he can play more minutes than this, but I just love what he does when he's on the court. Another who's awesome in this game. Fultz was also 37 minutes for Michael Fultz. 18, 3, and 7 on 88% shooting. A clear, a clear must-roster player. His backup? Not so much. Get that garbage out of here! And you don't even know which backup I'm talking about. Cole Anthony, 6 points, 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 25 minutes, jacked off. Jalen Suggs, 2 points, 11 minutes, 2 steals, jacked off. Now, he did get 2 steals, Suggsy, and this was a back-to-back, so it was good that he played. But he's got so many deficiencies in his overall fantasy game, Suggs, that he probably needs to play 30 minutes and probably needs Fultz or someone to not be there. Where's Obi going? Where are you going? We'll figure out what he's up to in a sec. Suggs probably can do more, but I don't want to wait around for it. I think even at his peak, he's probably not a top 100 player. There are three other guards in the rotation. So I don't know when he gets to doing what he needs to do. I don't think he's worth a hold. Bol Bol didn't play. He wasn't on the injury report. He cleared COVID protocols yesterday. He was off the injury report. Now, he probably didn't play as they were trying to work on conditioning. But I still don't know where he fits in this rotation. I'd like to hold, maybe, to see what happens over the next game or so when he's in the rotation. But he's not replacing Carter or Wagner or Bunkero or Fultz or probably Harris. Maybe not Suggs, maybe not Anthony. Yes, there are some backup guys there like Terrence Ross and Mo Wagner. 
that he could take playing time away from. But that run that he had to begin the year, there's no way that's coming back. No way. Polo had 19 and 10 with a block and three steals and eight of 10 from the line. Unfortunately, he didn't shoot well overall. While France was amazing, especially in the fourth quarter, ended up with 29 points, two threes and two steals. Um, Gary Harris played 30 minutes on a back-to-back. Yeah, just this is again, where does Bowl and like John Isaac fit in? Where do the minutes get to? How do they play enough to matter? Mo Wagner, clearly ahead of Mo Bamba in the uh, picking order. Wagner had 11 points in 17 minutes. He's a nice deeper league backup center. And all of you guys who are still holding Mo Bamba in 12-10 leagues, please stop it. There is no need for it. He is actually actively a bad on-court player. I know he can put up good fantasy numbers. I know he can. But he is not a good player at all. He might get traded somewhere. That's fine. Maybe he gets traded somewhere and fits into a role. It's going to make the team worse wherever he goes. We'll find it. Maybe that does happen. But he's actively not a good NBA player at this point. And that is why he is behind Mo Wagner in the, on the death chart. The Blazers. How about this? The big fella. No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. Yusuf Nurkic was on the injury report as probable again with an illness. 31 minutes, 22 and 10, four steals and two blocks. He's been put up some big numbers in big minutes over the last couple of games. Lillard had 30 points, five assists, two steals, 39 minutes. I still think there's a buy low a bit here. He's not quite back to his best, but this is obviously strong. Well, just the Hitman Hart, 7, 13 and five with two steals. Jeremy Grant still can't hit threes. Told ya, told ya. He's not that good of a shooter. Took 40 games to get there, but he's not that good. 41 minutes, 16 and 6, one steal, three blocks. It's not a bad line. In fact, it's a pretty good line, but he's hit one three in the last three games. What did he miss here? Uh, three, missed all six of his three-point attempts. This is going to drop his overall production down significantly because it impacts the field goal percentage, scoring, and threes. And we're seeing, look, he's going to be better than this with the shooting, but it's going to hover somewhere in the middle. While you'll be shocked to know again that Anthony Simons struggles in a game that Lillard plays. He played 43 minutes. He had 15, 1, and 7. You might think that's not too much of a struggle, but it just is. One rebound, 38% shooting. This is why he's continuing to drop and drop and drop in fantasy rankings and yeah, maybe not a top 100 guy. I think he probably still is top 100, accounting for some absences with Lillard, but he just seems to struggle so much in those games. Gary Payton, 15 minutes, two points. Not, I don't think, a 12-team league player. Maybe you stream him on some days, but there are so many better other options out there. And Sharp had eight points in his 15 minutes. Next game, just a gigantic upset. The Suns, 125. The Warriors, 113. Phoenix was missing four starters. And then they were also missing two replacements to those starters. So there's no Chris Paul. His replacement is Campaign, both out. No Devin Booker. His replacement's Landry Shamit, both out. No Cam Johnson. Well, actually, his replacement, Jay Crowder, both out. No DeAndre Ayton. Well, his replacement was there, and we'll talk about that in a second. So they started a lineup of Dwayne Washington, Mikhail Bridges, Tory Craig, Dario Saric, and Bismack Biombo. Now, of course, they announced that they were starting Jock Landau and didn't tell anybody until the ball tipped up that Biombo was out there, which is ludicrous. And then I find out the teams have to submit a starting lineup 30 minutes before the game, but they're free to change it at any point after that, and there's no fine or penalty. So I will ask you this question. Children, I apologize. Go grab a snack or something. What is the fucking point of submitting starters if you can just change it at any stage and there's no penalty. I tweeted this and someone said, yeah, it's Vegas. It can't be Vegas. Because if Vegas was demanding you submit starting lineups, there would also be a demand 
for that not to be able to be changed at any point. Why don't teams then, if this is the case, Jay Crowder starting along with Ish Wainwright, Campaign, um, Damian Lee, and Josh Okoge. And then you just go out there and go psych different guys. What's, what's to stop you doing that? There's, what's the point of it? There was no reason to make that change. There was no injury. They just, they just changed it on the spot. What's the point of it? Fix this shit, NBA. It's, it's actually like, you have, why have a pointless rule? Submit your lineups that don't mean anything. It doesn't mean a single thing. No emergency. No, or he got injured in warm up. No, he was doing a shit. No, nothing. Just, we feel like it. And no penalty. Insane. Anyway, this is embarrassing for the Warriors. They lost their last three. I remember when they were the best, couldn't win a game on the road and they were the best home team. They've lost their last three games at home to the Pistons, Magic, and whatever this team is. I know they're the Suns, but it's not really the Suns. Let's be honest. 40 minutes for Mikael Bridges, 26, 9, and 5, one steal, three blocks. Awesome. We know he struggled at times with everyone out, and he didn't here. Awesome stuff. Sharich, 19, 9, and 7. Now, the Suns play again tomorrow, and I don't know the status of Paul or Shamit or Aiton. I know that Booker and Payne and um, Johnson are all going to be out. Sharich might be a stream, but we've also seen him start before and do nothing. So don't get too excited. Dwayne Washington, 21 points, 5 assists, 5 threes. He took a lot of shots and missed a lot, 35% shooting. He did start this game, but he didn't close. And Suns uh, reporters were pretty apoplectic. Like, what are you doing, Monty? Why is Tory Craig dribbling the ball with the point guard? And then someone suggested, oh, I think Washington might have twisted his ankle. So let's watch that. Let's see whether how he comes up tomorrow. Because if he wasn't in the game to close, and they got a game tomorrow, that's, that is something to worry about. There's no other point guard on this team. Akogi had seven points in 24 minutes, while Landale had six and four in 23, and Biombo eight and eight with two blocks in 17 minutes. I think that given the inconsistency with minutes and starting roles between Biombo and Landale, it's really hard to even consider a stream option for them tomorrow if Aiton is out, because it's just sort of going to be all over the place. Washington would be worth a stream. So would Damian Lee, 22, seven and four with two threes, if we get the same players out, while Torrey Craig had 12 and 14 with two blocks. And he's probably one of the guys who can sustain value even if one or two of those guys returned. But the Warriors, Steph returned, 31 minutes, 24 points, only 36% shooting, only had one rebound and three assists. So that's a little bit poor, but it's just great to have him back. While it was interesting to see 33 minutes from Jordan Poole, 27 points, five and six, 53% shooting, probably the best game he's had. It, since it, since Steph went out. So the best game he has is when Steph returns. He wasn't playing 33 minutes a night off the bench every night. So let's watch that playing time. Clay still posted big usage. 29 and five rebounds with six threes. Shooting was a little bit off. While Draymond had five, 12 and six. And Andy Wiggins, only 29 minutes. So still ramping his way back up. 10 points is bad. 31% shooting is bad. But six deals and two blocks. Wow. You don't get that from Wigo very often. But this was great to see that. Obviously, we can jack Dante DiVincenzo. 17 minutes, three points. Thank you for your service, and I'll see you later. I think you can also jack Kevon Looney. Get that garbage out of here! 21 minutes and one point. He did have eight rebounds, so maybe he's a rebound streamer, and that's it. Another interesting thing was the first guy coming off the bench was Andre Iguodala, not Jordan Poole. Now, he only played 13 minutes and was ejected, but they went straight to death lineup. First sub, straight to death lineup. Draymond at center. So Iguodala back in the rotation. Oh, yeah, and remember I talked at the start about those people adding Anthony Lamb? Eight points, 16 minutes, two rebounds. Made no sense as an ad before this game. Makes zero sense now. Obviously, you are not rostering Anthony Lamb in a 10 or 12 or 14 team league. The absolute epitome of chasing without looking at any context around a game at all. No need for it. Waste of a move. 
hopefully, hopefully you no one here watching this show added him, and hopefully you didn't drop anyone of any real value uh, in that situation. But it is just great that Steph is back. Then we do the last game of the night. It was the Clippers handling the Mavericks 113-101. Luca returned. He played 43 minutes. 43-11-7, and seven, three threes. 55 from the field is excellent. 76 from the line on 21 attempts is a little bit harmful for category leagues, but still, the other stuff's great. 40 minutes for Dinwiddie. 13-4-5, three threes, one steal, two blocks. 39 for Timmy Hardaway. 16-3 with nothing else, but that's what he does. He gives you points. He gives you threes. You can deal with poor field goal percentage from time to time. There's value because of the minutes that he's getting. And we had 35 minutes from the crucifix, Christian Wood. Pretty bad game from him, to be fair. 12 points, no threes, three rebounds, no assists, no steals. He did have two blocks, and he was 8 of 8 from the field, but only 29% from the field. Uh, 8 of 8 from the line, but only 29% from the field. So the production continues to be up and down. Big blocks, small blocks, big minutes, small minutes, good shooting, bad shooting. It's really hard to get a consistent read on it. I think there is a chance that he can be top 50 rest of the way, but I'm not super confident in it. Powell played eight minutes, hurt his hip, never returned. They went with Davis Bertans over him, not Reggie Bullock. Bertans played 17 minutes and didn't score, missed all five of his shots, while Reggie Bullock had six points on eight shots. And eight shots is actually like about a week's worth of work for him usually, but there is nothing in any of those guys. Jaden Hardy had two points in 17 minutes, 17% shooting. Had been playing okay, but obviously is only a deeper league guy. Let's talk about the Clippers. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> there you are. 36 minutes, 33, 9, and 4. Four steals and a block for Kawhi. 12 of 12 from the line. 8 of 12 from the field. Just a, a fantastic performance. 36 minutes. What we've got to hope now is that he just doesn't get hurt at any other point this season. So is there a sell high on him? Theoretically, yes, but practically, no. No one is buying at a, at a high price. So you've just got to hope, really. He looks great. He looks like Kawhi. We're back, finally. Took a while, but maybe maybe this is something that actually gives you a gigantic boost heading into the end of the season. Zubats got into really early foul trouble. That's why he only played 16 minutes. He had eight and seven, while Terrence Mann played 41 minutes as the starting point guard. Reggie Jackson, out of the rotation. You can drop him in 14 and 16 team leagues, I think. Man, wasn't a great game, apart from his actual impact on court where he was dominant. Plus 24. He had 12 and 5 with two threes, 42% shooting, one block. That's not great. It looks okay, but it's not great. But a starting point guard who's going to get a lot of minutes is at least worth looking at. Reggie Jackson was a starting point guard. He didn't get a lot of minutes. I think you definitely look at Man in 14 team leagues. I added him in one or two 12 team leagues. And I just want to see what happens here. 32 minutes for Batum. That's likely because Paul George is out, though. Five and six. I don't think he's a 12-team league guy. Morris had 12 points. He probably is a 12-team league guy, but not necessarily. He's 172nd over the last week. And then Storm and Norman Powell. Good game from him. We know that he's up and down, though. 27 points, 31 minutes. His value, I think, is going to be tied to Paul George's return. Stream him in, no problem. Hold him, no worries. Long term, I don't think so. What is interesting, a couple of things. John Wall's washed, I think. I think he's cooked. 15 minutes, 5 points, 18% shooting. He's just so destructive for them on court, I think, and also just for fantasy teams. No need to be a 12-team league guy. Moses Brown is honestly not an NBA caliber center. But Robert Covington played 31 minutes. He's been out of the rotation for big chunks. This is a couple of big games in a row. Not production-wise, but minutes-wise. 9-8 and eight with 3 assists and a block doesn't get anybody's blood boiling, but 30 minutes for Robert Covington should. 
You should put him on your radars. Is he a 12-team ad? I don't know. I'd add him in all 16s. I'd add him in 14s just to see where it's going. Paul George might return. Canard might return. And he might not play. But there seems to be a change that guys who impact play defensively, Mann and Covington, really solid role player types, are being prioritized over guys like John Wall and Reggie Jackson, guys who want to get their own shots up and struggle to do anything else. That is an interesting change and development on this squad that we really have to watch Covington's playing time. And if you wanted to say, hey, I desperately need some defensive stats, I'm going to take a flyer on him, maybe go for it. Because it is a trend. Say Paul George and Kadard might impact it, but it is a trend. And we know that Covington can do those things and do them relatively consistently. The lines of the night, the monstrous is the fun guy, Kawhi Leonard. It feels good to say that. The waiver wire line of the night is Dario Saric. Really good game from Saric. Maybe streaming tomorrow. I don't have full confidence in that though. Young gun is Joshy Giddy, And the dud of the night is the droppable Cole Anthony. Top 10 players today. Number one was Kawhi. Followed by Don Mitchell, Jim Butler, Jim Harden, Joel Embiid, Terry Rozier, Luka Doncic, Mikhail Bridges, Dario Saric, and Joshua Giddy. Your top 10 players rostered in under 50%. Saric is at one. Damian Lee is at two. Just guys taking advantage of everyone being out. Max Struess at three. Like, stream them if a bunch of players are out. Lee and Saric, maybe an option tomorrow. Lamar Stevens at four. Don't really care for that. Milton was a blowout-related stream. Dwayne Washington, we want to check the ankle injury, but he could be an option tomorrow. Tory Craig's a good option tomorrow. Boucher, I don't care for. Noel, maybe you stream if Stewart and Duran are out next game, which is tomorrow. And then B-Ball Paul. Paul Reed. That's a blowout-related um, line as well. Top 10 in points leagues. Don Mitchell, number one, followed by Doncic, Butler, Kawhi, Harden, Bridges, Embiid, Rogier, Nurkic, and Joshua Giddy. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you are here on YouTube, thumb it up and leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.